All right, let's take our Bibles and let's stand together and uh, let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I want to uh, begin reading at uh, verse 35, verse 35, Romans 8, 35. I love that song, Born to Die on Calvary, upon Calvary, Ron Hamilton's song. Thank you, ladies, for that choir number. That was a blessing, too. Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. And then it goes on to say in uh, verse 38, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for every uh, part of our Bible We thank you, Lord, for nuggets that we claim and look at often for our own help. And we thank you, Lord, for this passage that I know many of us have looked at many times and need to look at again in the future many times. And as we look at it today, we ask you, Lord, to use it in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Have you ever thought about how, how much God loves you? I know we, we uh, say we think about that, but this is talking about God's love being so deep for us and so consistent for us that nothing is going to come between us and God's love for us. And that's a great encouragement. Um, as you look at this passage, um, you find that uh, God's love is there and manifests in a lot of different ways. Um, and it talks about um, us being persuaded of that. And we often think about his love for us just being where he died for us on the cross, and he did. And you cannot love any more than to die for somebody. Greater loveth no man than a man lay down his life for his friend. And Christ loved us, and he died for us. And... Um, We know that God loved us. But you know, the whole reason that we have a relationship with God is because of God's love shown toward us. It all began with God creating us because He loved us and wanted a relationship with us. And the story all through the Bible was God reaching out to us. And then we have Jesus coming to earth because of His love. So this is all in the fabric of who we are and what we've become. And it's what makes us keep going. It's the love of God. Now, I want to preach to us this morning then about this subject and just remind us, God loves us. And it's a wonderful thing. Now, the first thing I'm going to look at is the extent of God's love. For us. Now, every part of me is for my wife. I love her. And there's not a cell in my body that doesn't love her. 
Every part of me loves my children. And there's not a hair left on my head that doesn't love my children. And every part of me is for my wife and for my children. And when I look at God, I'm encouraged that every part of God is for me and for us. And we can be encouraged by this. Now, God is a trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three different people, but all the same person. How? I don't know. That's God. But He is a trinity. Now, first I want you to see the one part of God is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is for us. Now, if you look at verse 14 of Romans chapter 8, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So this points out to us about God being for us in that He leads us. Now, when He's leading us, He is leading us to a good destination, the place that He wants us to be, the place that will be best in life. And we don't have to worry that we're going to end up in the wrong place as long as we're following God because He's for us. He's leading us to the right destination. It started with God's love, but it continues with God's love. And that's what keeps us in our service of Him. Now, when you look at God, and there's three parts to Him, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is for us and that He leads us. There's another passage here that says the Spirit of God is for us. Look at verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. My wife is sick right now, an infirmity. The Holy Spirit is helping her through this and us through this. Now, when we see the word helpeth, you young people going through problems, you old people going through problems, all of us going through problems, the Bible says He helpeth us, that means He bears it with us. He doesn't just tell us what to do, He's carrying us through these things. And He's bearing the burden with us. He is for us. And then I was touched when I was looking at this point about the Holy Spirit being for us and encouraging us of His love toward us is that He prays for us. I don't want to look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. He prays for us. So I believe that this morning... The Holy Spirit prayed for my Pelletier. I believe that. He prayed for you. He knows our name and He prays for us. It's not just idle talk. He prays for us. Now, how many of you prayed for somebody this week? Now, who do you typically pray for? The people that you what? The love. The people that you love. I pray for my kids. I pray for my wife. I pray for my friends. I pray for people that I love. And the fact that God prays for us tells us that He loves us. Now, when we look at this, the thing that keeps us going sometimes is when we just sit back and we don't just look at everything we're supposed to do, not to do, should say, should work, should serve, do this, do that. All that's important. has its place. But recognizing the depth of the love of God that He has for us. So why would we not want to keep serving? Why would we want to walk away from Him? 
Why would we just ignore him? Why would we think him insignificant and walk away? When we understand the depth of his love toward us, that is exciting. That's what keeps us together. We are loved by the Lord. Now, first, I'm encouraged that the Holy Spirit is for me, but then we also know that God the Son is for us. Now, how do we know God the Son is for us? The Bible says he died for us. All right, now let's take a look at verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died for us. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Now, he died for us. We know what that means. They took the cat of nine tails. They beat his back with that whip. And it is a handle with nine leather strips, for those who don't know, with pieces of sharp rock, bone, and metal. Soldier would pull it back, lash it across his back, tear the flesh off his back. And when a man was done with that beating, his back would be lacerated. And he looked like hamburger meat. They grabbed his beard, they pulled it out, he let them do it. They pulled his bones out of joint, Psalm twenty-two, fourteen. he let them do it. And then they put nails right to the hands and right to the foot. If I were to take my hand, stick it up here, and somebody were to take a, a nail and stick my hand and stick it through and secure my hand to the wood, we'd be pretty amazed at that gore and that horrible act. Well, this is what Jesus had done to him. His hands secured to the wood. His feet secured to the wood. The crown of thorns on a head. And all of that he let them do for him, do to him. Why? Because he loved us and he laid down his life for us. He is for us. He died for us. Now, if we get the idea that God hates us, he's mad at us, we let him down, he's disgusted with us, yes, we let him down. Yes, we fail him. But never forget, he loves us so we get back up and get going again. Now, not only does the Bible teach that this one that we follow, God, Jehovah God, is for us and the Son is for us and that He died for us, but it says the Son also prays for us. He prays for us too. Notice verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Ye rather that is risen again, even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Think of that. Jesus praying for us. Now, are we going to believe every verse in the Bible or not? Yes or no? Now, it may seem totally impossible for us to figure that Jesus knows our name, that he knows what we did yesterday, that he knows what's going on in our lives. Billions of people in the world, how in the world can you possibly really know that? Easy. He is God. And He is all-knowing. And He knows us, and He knows specifically how to get it. Taylor, make a prayer for me. Taylor, make a prayer for you. And the fact that He prays for you means He must love you. And so never forget, this is more than just Hey, we go to church, we do what we need to do, we get it done, and we stay at it, and we stay at it, and then when we die, they put something on our grave. He did it, he stayed at it. 
we want to remember this all started because we were loved by God. And it continues to have meaning because we are still loved by God. And that's what makes it wonderful. Now, every part of God is for us, the extent of God's love. The Holy Spirit is for us. And then also the Son is for us. But what about the Father? All right, please take a look at verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And the application is that God is for us. Now, I'm not making light of our sin. I'm not saying that God doesn't care when we sin. If God didn't care when we sin, then why would he send Jesus to save us from it? I'm not saying it doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter, then why is there burning hell? It matters. If it doesn't matter, then why does God chasten us when we sin? It matters. But never forget, He chastens whom He what? Loves. And when we forget that we are loved by God, then we're in a bad state. And then we get away from that God. But when we remember that nothing stops His love toward us, maybe we're drawn to Him and to stay with Him and to keep serving Him and stay in love with Him. We love Him. Why? Because He first what? Loved us. Don't forget that. The extent of His love. Every part of God is for us. All right, now the second thing that I want to look at is the explanation of God's love, okay? Now, let's turn in our Bibles over to passage, 1 Corinthians 13, and we usually look at this passage as being the love chapter, and it is, and we pull this thing out every Valentine's Day, and we can, because it teaches us what genuine love is. I remember uh, when I asked my wife to marry me, uh, we got married. In our wedding, I wrote a song. Did you know that I wrote songs, a few songs? I should sing them for you. I don't know just why you left. I tried to do my very best to make you mine. It's all a million records. Now, I did that when I was in high school. But here's a song that I wrote, 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffereth long, is kind, envieth not, vaunt itself, not itself is not puffed up, thinketh no evil, love never fails. And I put that to music, and I sang it in my wedding. Now, we often think of this as being the love chapter of how a husband ought to love a wife. It's true. A husband ought to love his wife this way. But the context is really talking about church people and how they should love church people. Now, if we understand that church people are supposed to love church people with this kind of love, we would call this with this godly love, I'm going to bring us somewhere with that thought. Now, how many would agree that 1 Corinthians 13 would be godly love? If you would agree, would you say amen, raise a hand or something? Now, follow me in this. If it's godly love, that means it's godlike love. And you know what that means? This is the model of what we should love each other like because this is how God loves us. Now, when I look at this passage, it says in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, charity or love suffereth long. You know what that means? That even though we are not what we should be, God's love 
He's still suffering along with us. He's patient with us. That makes me love Him because He's been patient with me for a long time. And then it says, and it's kind. Not as up there with that baseball bat waiting for us to step out of line to beat us, though He does chasten us, but not in an unkind way. And it says it's not puffed up. Now, sometimes people think that God, He's in charge. God, He's controlling us. God is telling us, you can't do this. You can't do that. You must do this. You serve me. Well, we think of a man on earth as being a dictator, being a pretty proud person. But can God be in charge of everything and still be humble? Absolutely. That's what makes Him so wonderful. Because He is not puffed up over us. He genuinely loves us, and anything He tells us to do is from a humble God who totally loves us with every part of Himself. So we should do what He wants us to do, because there's love there. The love of Christ constrains us. Now then it goes on. In verse 5, Seeketh not her own. God's not just wanting to take from us. If He loves us, He is wanting to help us. That's love. That's God-like love. So God must love me that way. And then this, it's not easily provoked. Anybody ever think that God's about done with you? You messed up so many times, God's got to be frustrated and be totally done with you. It's not easily provoked. And I like that. And thinketh no evil, and I'm not trying to sound like a televangelist who just gets up and tries to make everybody feel good, but it is Bible that God does not sit up in heaven just thinking evil of us. God-like love is God-like love because it is God's love toward us. So when I look at the fact that I am loved by God, that's an exciting thing. It's the Christmas season. And as we look at the Christmas season, we think about the babe coming in that manger because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And thank God that Christ came to save us from our sins. But folks, that's where it started. But it continues in every part of our life. If I live to be 81, like Brother Hawtrey, whatever his age was, it will continue the rest of my life. He will love me. He will love us. And it was the love that brought us to Him. And hang on to the fact that it's still there, so we stay with Him. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. So we've got the extent of God's love. I'm encouraged by that. Every part of God is for me. I see the explanation of God's love. Kind, not proud, not seeking His own, not easily provoked. Beareth all things, and everything that we do to disappoint Him. And we do disappoint Him. You say, no, we don't. Yes, we do. How would you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and thou wicked and slothful servant, if there weren't some people that pleased Him and some that displeased Him. Sometimes we don't please Him. Sometimes we do not do what we should. Sometimes He does have to chasten us. But don't forget, He does love you even when He chastens you. 
And so we keep ourselves in that love of God, knowing that I love Him, He loves me. Why in the world would I want to walk away from God? Now, there's so many evidences to the love of God. We've got the um, the fact that um, He um, gave us His Son. We've got the fact that the Bible here is teaching that nothing will separate us from the love of God. We've got the Son is for us, the Spirit is for us, the Father is for us. Um, I think even creation tells us that God loves us. We've got the Bible that tells us. We've got creation. I remember not too long ago, I was uh, looking outside, and I saw outside of the trailer this thistle. And it had a bloom on it, and it had a monarch butterfly, and it was flapping its wings like this. I know I'm a man too, but I'm sorry, I like flowers. I think they're pretty. I'm a man too, but I'm sorry, I kind of like to see the butterfly going like this and feel its little fingers on my skin. I like that, and it's beautiful. And so I went inside, and I said to my wife, Honey, you want to see something pretty? Come here. And we went outside, and we looked at that for a little bit. Now, when I look at the beauty of the things that God has made for us, I know that he has to be good. And I know that he has to be just marvelous, wonderful. And I know that evidently he definitely loves us because he keeps doing good things for us, okay? Now, we let him down, we disappoint him, we sin, we fail him, we get lazy, He sees that we're lazy. He sees that we're wrong. He sees the evil in our heart, but he doesn't stop loving us. So let's go back to him and let's stay with him. It's the love of Christ that got this thing started. And yes, I fear the chastisement of God and we should. But I also love God and that draws me back to him. That's a place of contentment. Now, take your Bibles and turn back to Romans chapter 8. As we look at Romans chapter 8, we see, as we read in our text, verse 35, the love of God. First thing we've seen is we've briefly looked at this subject. Uh, I'm not going to preach as long as I do in a revival meeting. And all God's people said, you better not say that, Pastor God God will get you. All right, now. But the extent of God's love is every part of God is for us, and that's exciting to me. That is helpful to me. God's not up there hating Mike Pelletier because I am not as good as another person. I am not as talented as another person. Or I am just not on the cutting edge of what I perceive another person to be. God's love is there. That's a blessing. And the extent of God's love, number two, the explanation of God's love, of course, the greatest demonstration of that was He died for us. If you die and you go to hell, you're going to have to step over the love of God. God so loved the world, not God so hated the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, God did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through Him would be saved. And so if you end up dying and you go to hell, it'll be because you walk away from the one who loves you and you walk over the love of God 
And don't anybody say, well, God's some kind of a sick God sending people to hell because God is not sick sending people to hell. People are already going to hell, but God loves you anyway. And he sent his son to save you from going to hell. Right now, the last thing in the brief time that we've got together here, I'm going to look at is the endurance of God's love. The extent of God's love, the explanation of God's love, and now the endurance of God's love. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Now, who shall separate us from the love of God? That could have two applications. Now, the first application I'm going to give, I do not believe is the application. The second application is what I believe is the application. Now, the first application that I believe I'm going to give is who shall separate us from the love of God could mean. What will it take to make you stop loving God? A girl came to me and she said, if God's going to do that, how would I ever want to serve a God like that? I don't want anything to do with God if he's going to do that. And what he was referring to, she was referring to, was her friend got cancer, 12th grader, and died. And so she said, if God's going to do something like that, I don't want anything to do with that kind of God. So what did it take for her to stop loving God, her friend getting sick and dying? Now I said to her, listen, you have to understand that God originally didn't want death in this world. When sin came, death came. I said, don't get mad at God, get mad at sin. And I said, Jesus didn't come to kill, he came to save. The thief comes to kill, but Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. I said, don't get mad at God, get mad at sin. But with this girl, it took sickness and a death of a loved one to stop loving God. Now, there are people in church, and there could be somebody here today that you're teetering on your dedication level to God. And you're starting to fall away. Why? You don't like what God allowed. Now, why? You totally misunderstand that when bad things happen, it's not that God doesn't love you. It is that sin is real too. And sometimes you don't understand. Romans 8, 28, written by a loving God who loves you, totally Every part of Him, the Spirit, the Son, the Father, every fiber of His being, just as I have every fiber of my being that loves my wife and my children, every fiber of God's being loves you. That kind of God allowed some sickness or death or problem or pay cut or loss of job or whatever tragedy you think you've got for your good. How many of you have ever loved your children and you gave them something they didn't want? Like a spanking. You gave them something they didn't want. Spinach. You gave them something they didn't want. A garden to get to work in and learn how to work in. And it wasn't something that they wanted, but it was for their good. Amen? Now here's what we've got to do. We've got to look at what is it that's keeping us from loving God? What will it take to make you stop loving God? All right, some, it's sin. 
Now follow me. If you take a can of Budweiser and then you take a Jesus Christ who loves you and gave his life for you, which is better? Will it take you to stop loving Jesus? Can of Budweiser? What will it take you to keep you from loving Jesus? Pornography? You know what? When you're tempted, ask yourself, does that love me or does he love me? And you say, why in the world would I want that? I wouldn't want anything that would keep me from him. When you understand the love of God and how much that means. You know, when you think about God and the benefit of a relationship with God, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that God is actually our inheritance. In verse 17 it says, If children, then heirs of heirs, and then get this phrase, heirs of God. Heirs of God. Now when we think of our heir, our inheritance, here's what we often think of. I'm going to get to go to heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place, filled with glory and grace. And by the way, somebody sings, heaven is a wonderful place, filled with glory and grace. Oh, how I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. And then somebody gets sick with cancer, we say, oh, that's so sad. Somebody dies, oh, that's so sad. Why are we singing heaven is such a wonderful place, and then when somebody goes there, we're sad? All right, now, I don't want to lose my loved ones, and yes, there's sorrow here, but folks, um, our inheritance is not heaven in itself that's part of it. God is our inheritance. And since God is our inheritance, how much benefit is that to us? Because everything that God is and everything that God does and the heart of God, that's for us. And that's a blessing. So folks, the, um, the endurance of God's love. What will it take to keep you from loving God? All right, have you fallen away from God? There's a, a man that I talked to this last week. He has a bus ministry, and he loves his bus ministry, and he's been doing that bus ministry now for about 10 years. He gets up in the morning on Sunday, goes out on Saturday. He's about my age, and he absolutely loves those kids. But you know what he said? Brother Mike, I went about 20 years not even going to church. I grew up in church. I went to church, and for 20 years, though, I stopped going to church I said, well, why would happen? He said, somebody did something to me, and I got really upset. I was stupid, and I quit going to church. I said, 20 years? He said, yeah, 20 years. And you know what it took for him to stop loving God? Some Christian who was in the flesh saying something they shouldn't have said. Now, are you going to let some Christian keep you from loving God? Are you? Are you going to let some sin keep you from loving God? Folks, listen. It started with God's love. His love is still here. Don't let anything keep you from loving God. And if you love Him, and if I love Him, we do what He said, demonstrates our love to Him. If I love Him, and you love Him, we keep His commandments. If I love Him, and you love Him, we love each other. If any man say, I love God and his brother, he's a liar. First John 4.20 If I love Him, and you love Him, guess what we're going to keep doing? Because of love, we serve Him. He said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. 
Don't forget, He loves you. Love Him back. Stay out of sin. Serve Him. Stay at it. And love the people of God. It is His love that keeps us going. Now, we have this application. What will it take to make God stop loving you? And the answer, uh, the, the application, who shall separate us from the love of God? That could be one. What will it keep, make to keep you stop loving God or get you to stop loving God? A second application could be this. What will it take to make God stop loving you? And the answer to that is, nothing will make God stop loving us. Now, there is a sense that God hates the sinner, but the Bible does teach that we are saved from sin if we've come to know Him as Savior. And notice what He says to us who love Him. All things work together for good to them who love Him, that love Him. But notice what He says to us in this category who have been saved. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, look at the depth of his love, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Now verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. It's a quote of Psalms 44. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. It's like, Lord, we are being killed. We are defenseless. In Psalm 44, the psalmist is writing, God, you took care of our fathers. You delivered them from Egypt. You walked them through the river and you fed them with manna. They prayed and you responded. You did supernatural things and you took care of them. But what about us? Now we're here and we're praying and you're not seeming to deliver us at all. We're not getting delivered. We're like, on our way to death, and there's nobody here delivering us. And the psalmist is saying, where is your love for us? Where is your divine intervention for us? And it was like, God's not even there. Now, folks, sometimes we might feel like that. But as we're in this thing called the marathon of life, we've got to remember, do what the psalmist did, even when you don't see the love of God. At the end of Psalm 44, the psalmist though he didn't see God's deliverance, just went ahead and prayed to God. Why? Because he knew that Israel was the apple of God's eye. That Israel was God's chosen people. And he were in it. He was in the group. And he was loved by God. So he said, I don't understand it. I don't see it. But I'm gonna, I know what I'm going to do when I don't understand. I'm just going to keep staying in love with that God, keep looking at that God for him to deliver me. Now here... We've got Paul saying, who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? I'm about to die? No. Nakedness? Peril? Sword? And then he goes on in verse 37. Nay, in all these things, what's that mean? All these problems, we are more than conquerors through him that what? Loved us. And then he says this, I am persuaded. I am totally convinced. Here's a guy beaten with stripes many times. Here's a guy shipwrecked. Here's a man imprisoned, beaten with rods, gone through nakedness, gone through perils, stoned to death and left dead three times. 
but he did not die. Here's a man who went through a bunch of things, a little worse than you and I have gone through, and you know what he said? I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, the things that are happening right now that I don't understand, nor things to come, the things that are going to happen in my future that I'm not going to like, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So folks, I'm encouraged. This may not make everybody get up and hit the aisle and say, I'm ready to go soul winning for 40 hours a week, but I hope that we will be serving God. Why? Because He loved us, so we'll love Him. This may not make 500 people hit the aisle and say, I need to turn from my wicked way and just grieve over it, but why not? Because if we love Him, we'll hate what hurts Him. Evil. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. And it started with God's love, but the good news is, in this marathon called life, His love is still here. Amen. Let's bow our heads.